Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. It is episode 110 Woo! of the cruising right along. Broomsticks and Butterbeer podcast. We are cruising right along through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Thank you for joining us on this magical journey through all things Harry Potter. Who's reading it and isn't... Li- oh, Will. Will. Will's reading it and not listening to our podcast. I'll get him. I'll, I'll make him do it. He does whatever I tell him to do. Okay. A quick note. Uh, next month, is that February the 12th? Is that what that Saturday is? I believe so. Or is it the 11th? Checking calendar here. February 11th. You are correct. 11th. Uh, I will be in Springfield, Missouri at Missouri Comic Con hosting Harry Potter trivia. That sounds exciting. I will You'll be, be at working. Work. <laughs> so I'll be wah, there with wah. uh Brother Andrew and if you want to meet the infamous Ken Rhino, <laughs> my dad is gonna be there too. Wow. So many stories. You can ask him about uh taking diet cokes into restaurants and uh you can meet the man who many people think is not real based on his uh, infamous exploits over the years. You made him up. <laughs> no, he, Nobody really does those things. In person. He's going to make the trip from St. Louis to Springfield with me. Uh, my brother Andrew already lives in Springfield. And uh, we got invited to host Harry Potter Trivia. And you can find out more information at MissouriComicCon.com. That's... Uh, I believe it's February 11th and the 12th. Uh, we will be there on February 11th hosting Harry Potter Trivia, I believe, at 1.45 in the afternoon. That's so, exciting. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So looking forward to meet, meeting some new people and maybe meeting some listeners. Uh, I'll pack up some prizes for you guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. I was talking to the peoples. Oh, my bad. Uh, today we're talking about chapter 17 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, but last time we talked about chapter 16 in the Hogshead, and Harry comes around to Hermione's idea of possibly teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts skills secretly to the other students. Harry agrees to hear Hermione out and meet with the few students that may actually be interested in training with Harry, and they're going to do it on one of the Hogsmeade weekends at a sketchy tavern called the Hogshead. Uh, quite a bit of students show up, not just a couple like Harry was thinking, and the outcome of the meeting is that the group will meet once a week at a to-be-determined location, but Hermione, of course, takes things a step further and puts something in writing with everyone signing to show their commitment to the cause, and uh, Ron finds out that his sister Jenny has been dating some kid named Michael Corner. <laughs> I couldn't focus on any of that. 
Because yeah. there were shenanigans going on in the background. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, I just tried to ignore it. Tried to be professional. Uh huh. You're very professional. Thanks. They, they went on a nice long walk. I gave them talking a, about the dogs, a not, treat. not Jenny and Michael Corner. Yes, I gave them a treat bone so that they would chill and chew on their bone. But apparently, we just wound them up more. Well, those grainies are like, uh, like crack, like doggy uh, catnip, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's in Greenies. Not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> Could be Greenies. We don't know what's in them. <laughs> we don't know what's in them, but it makes dogs nuts. Uh, chapter seventeen. We're going to talk about today. Educational decree number twenty-four. Just when things start looking up for Harry, and he's starting to feel good about what's going on, we get another bit of interference from the High Inquisitor, Dolores Umbridge. There's a large sign on the Gryffindor notice board basically saying that all student groups, clubs, and teams are immediately disbanded. And if you want to make a new club or reform an old one, you need direct permission from Umbridge. So this is no coincidence that this decree comes out right after the rogue Defense Against the Dark Arts class has been formed, right? Yeah, I... I don't know, in my head, I felt like they got a little further along into their club stuff before this happened, but like I said, it's been a long time since I've read the books all the way through. So I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh no, is this happening already? Like, in my head, it just happened a little later, I guess. And it's also interesting that it showed up in each common room. In the movies, they just switch it to, like, the main area outside the Great Hall. So I just thought that was interesting that they put it in each room. The other thing, but I'll wait till we get to there. <laughs> so how how would Umbridge have found out? Is it a situation where she's just got spies everywhere? Is Yeah, that's the thing the boys ju- immediately jump to is that somebody told. Somebody told. We don't know everybody there. We don't know if we could trust everybody there. I think Ron goes straight to Jenny's boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, she goes to the, the Zacharias Smith guy, or he goes to the Zacharias guy first. First. And then, oh, but Jenny's boyfriend, too. <laughs> he looked like a He's shady character. A um, but Hermione insists that that's not possible, that we would definitely know uh-huh. if somebody snitched. We're going to fight. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but Ron runs off to tell Hermione and attempts to climb the stairs to the girls' dormitories and. The stairs, like, on the cartoons, they, like, <laughs> fold up and like collapse, yeah. and it turns into a slide. I also thought that this happened sooner in the books. I'm like, why haven't we gotten to this yet? Because I just thought it was an adorable moment. And the whole explanation afterwards about how, oh, it's an old rule, and girls can go in the boys' dormitory, but girls, boys can't go in the girls' dor- dormitory. and So weird. Like, this rule do- doesn't apply to the girls trying to get into the boys' dormitories. It's kind of sexist. Kind of. <laughs> but also... Boys are the worst. Boys so. are the worst. And I feel like boys could get into a lot more trouble trying to sneak into the girls' dorm than the girls would do getting into the guys'. Now, see that thought that type of thinking right there is very sexist <laughs> mm, but it's just because they're like guys. yeah it is a little unfair however however it doesn't mean it's not true okay <laughs> all right so ron is convinced that one of the students 
must have blabbed to Umbridge about the club, but Hermione knows this can't be true because she had a contingency plan, didn't she? Yes. She, um... I always admired this little trick of hers or plan of hers, but I did think in the last chapter it was a little awkward. Like, let's everybody write our names down on this piece of paper for no reason at all. Let's just do that. Like, it wasn't as smooth as I remember it being. But yes, she jinxed the paper so that if anyone tattles, they will know. There will be no doubt about who it was. She said that there's going to be, like, they're going to grow, like, boils or something on their face? Yeah, she didn't say specifically what happens, but she said that it will. Uh, there was somebody else she mentioned who has bad acne, apparently, mm-hmm. and it will look, make it look like cute little freckles compared to what happens to this other person. Harry is determined to continue with the training meetings, despite the decree, but we're really not sure that all of the students that signed that paper are willing to take that that risk, risk. right? Yeah, so something they're going to have to figure out, but quietly, covertly. They didn't even want all of the people that had been gathered at, at that meeting to kind of gather in the common or in the great hall either yeah because they're they're trying to trying to avoid any kind of suspicion yeah a group was on their way over and they had to hermione was like no stop don't (laughs) she was like you just like kind of feel like we'll talk to you lots of gesturing Mm -hmm. and mouthing that probably drew more attention than anything else It, it i mean it would be a little weird to have Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws and Gryffindors all kind of interspersing. I just—I guess I just always kind of imagine them being very uh, separated in the Great Hall. They are, but they aren't. Like, the Patel, Patel sisters are in two different houses, but they, I'm mm. sure they still hang out together. Jenny's dating a Ravenclaw. You know, they're still mixing. So I'm not sure that it would have been maybe just a big group all at once would have been a little obvious, especially since they're already kind of keeping an eye on Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Another issue that pops up is the fact that this decree doesn't just apply to clubs, it applies to teams as well. So as of right now, all of the Quidditch teams have been disbanded, which of course freaks out Angelina, the Gryffindor captain. Please, Harry, please don't make her mad. Please don't get mad and mouth off to her. We have to get her permission. Yeah. So later in the chapter, Draco goes to Umbridge and easily, within minutes seemingly, gets the Slytherin Quidditch team reinstated. But if she does that, doesn't Umbridge have to reinstate the other teams? Because who's... Slytherin gonna play. Yeah, you would think it'd be a no brain, like it's just an up, uh, like, yes, you can play Quidditch. Uh huh. And therefore, all of the teams can then re- restart. But, yeah, I was thinking that was the thing I was gonna get to. I was like, makes no sense. Draco's all bragging and being all up in everybody's face about their. Quidditch team getting approved, but I'm like, what's the point? Who are you going to play against? <laughs> it was no big deal. I mean, my daddy, he goes to the Ministry of Magic all the time. It's the win by forfeit. 
He wins every, he knows everybody, and, and so of course we have some sway, and we can get our team immediately reinstated. But it's like, well, but why? Mm-hmm. There's no point but if there's nobody to play. <laughs> it reminds me of a, a Parks and Rec episode where the city budget has been cut dramatically, and they dig up enough money for to reinstate the basketball program, but they only have enough for two teams. And I think uh, Leslie Nope says that, well, they're going to develop a great rivalry. <laughs> yes, there you go. So it's going to be so like Slytherin. Puff and, and Slytherin yeah. get, get approved again, and that's every week, it. Every week they're going to play. They're going to know the ins and outs of each team very well. Uh, on to History of Magic class with Professor Benz when Hedwig shows up at the classroom window with a message for Harry. And this is very out of the ordinary. Right, we don't normally have owls delivering messages, messages in the middle class. of class, right? No, no, this doesn't happen. And Hedwig is seemingly injured and has been through some stuff on his on her way back to Hogwarts. Uh, Harry knows he has to get Hedwig some help, so Harry fakes an illness, sneaks out of class, and goes searching for Professor Grubbly Plank, the interim care of magical creatures. Luckily, they were in class with, like, the least aware teacher in the whole world. Yeah, he just kind of buries his nose. He's a ghost, right? He's a ghost. He just buries his spectery nose into the 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 book and just reads. I think in the movies, too, he just, like, turns his back and writes on the chalkboard or whatever. And, yeah. Never looks at the class. It's like they're not there. Harry is able to find grubbly plank in the teacher's lounge and there's a a throwaway line that kind of caught my attention Uh, grubbly plank mentioned that hedwig may have been injured by thestrals yes i I appreciated that line too but harry it said in the book did not had never heard of thestrals Mm -hmm. so he's seen thestrals before but he didn't know but he didn't know that that's what they were called yeah so I just thought that was kind of interesting. That like, he's, we're still reminding the audience that Thestrals are important. This, like, yeah, don't we forget had, about these things. We had them flying around when they were in uh, when Harry and Cho were in the Owlry mm-hmm. uh, a couple chapters ago, and uh, at the beginning of the. But Harry book. had not been made aware of the connection between their name and what they were, mm-hmm. and of course, hardly anybody can see them either if you were truly reading it for the first time you wouldn't really know what they were talking about either Mm -hmm. you know uh you'd still be piecing it together so i said that was yeah it's an interesting way to like we yeah give the reader things little little tidbits Mm -hmm. uh the note that Hedwig was delivering was from Sirius, and it looks like Sirius wants to have another fireside chat in the Gryffindor common room later on. And there's a scene with Malfoy and his goons, with Draco bragging, like you said, about getting the Slytherin Quidditch team reinstated. But Draco takes it a step further and starts talking about, and now we're gonna, then we're gonna move on to Arthur Weasley and get him fired, and then we're gonna move on to Harry and get him thrown in. St. Mungo's, which is the uh, mental institution for wizards and witches. And this has a, this part of the... Well, it's a hospital, but they have 
They have a ward. A ward. Gotcha. It's kind of, yeah, a do-all place, but... But this throw, this has a profound effect on somebody else. Yes. Doesn't it? Yes. And I don't know. I My brain gets it all confused now because I have read all the books. I have seen all the movies. But now we're reading it again and I kind of forget where pieces go. And uh, Neville flips out and he gets really mad and Harry and Ron have to like jump on him and subdue him so that he doesn't go over there and pick a fight that he's going to lose. Because Draco's got his, his goons with yeah. him. And I kind of forgot that Harry does know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And by extension, because Harry knows, I remember that you know. But I know you don't know all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm kind of... I just know what Harry knows from, from the Pensieve. But I'm kind of eager for you to get to those parts that you don't get in the movies. So every time there's one of those chunks that you're missing... I'm, like, excited for us to get there. But, yeah, so this was kind of just part of that. Like, I was like, oh, Dan won't know what's going on in this part. And then Harry mentions that he knows. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so he will know. Mm-hmm. It was just made me think of you a lot while I was reading that part. Neville's just a very normally a very subdued kind of kid. Um, you know, very unsure of himself. And as as a result is very tentative to to speak up and act up and things like that that's why but it was he a, does that's why it was a big deal for you know uh for neville i think was it back in the second book when he stood up to his friends and first one was in the first book yeah because that was the chamber of secrets the well played game of chess and standing up to your friends and it's all the same thing the Chamber of Secrets would have been the second book. Not Chamber of Secrets. I mean, plus for Stone. Okay. I was thinking of the chessboard. I don't right. know why I said Chamber of Secrets. Gotcha. That's not where they were. They but, were somewhere else. But and that was very that, that was very hard for Neville to do. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember the scene in the movie where Neville kind of like rolls up the the sleeves on his <laughs> on his shirt, and it's like kind of gets into like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, <laughs> uh, but who's the who's the old boxer on the on the old uh, uh, the old boxing photos? <laughs> uh, he's got a I have name. No idea who he's, that he is, has but a, I know he has a name. About. Guy with the mustache. Yeah. And, yeah, he's got a name. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it uh, at some point in this broadcast. But um, Neville has that in him, and I think that's kind of cool because if you didn't see the Neville have these moments of bravery, you would kind of wonder, like, what is he doing in Gryffindor? And we talked about that before. He, he almost seems like, you know, Gryffindor is known for their, their bravery. And if you looked at Neville on the surface, you would probably think that he doesn't belong in there. But he has these moments where you obviously see that there's more than meets the eye there. With Neville, and that of course is going to get magnified, you know, even later in the saga here. But Neville really—he didn't care what happened to him physically. He was going to, you know, defend the—not really the memory, but defend the honor of his family, based mm-hmm. on what Draco was saying. You know, come heck or high water, he was gonna. You know, go there and get his butt whooped if he if he had to, but he wasn't going to let 
Draco talk about his family like that based on everything they've been through. Uh, we've got Umbridge observing Snape's potion class. And Umbridge has had very different interactions with all of the teachers she's observed. With Grubbly Plank, she had a, it was very, it was very friendly and very cordial. Uh, with Trelawney, it was, you know, almost, uh, like an, an interrogation with and like very skeptical with like the hot with the hot lamp like over her face and and uh Trelawney was getting very flustered uh with McGonagall we had McGonagall that wasn't gonna take any of Umbridge's mess and kind of just you know gave it back as good as she got it and then we've got even a, a different interaction here with Snape how would you describe like the energy between uh Umbridge and Snape I don't know. Like, it's still kind of tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is kind of being, like, politely quizzical mm-hmm. about it. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, given her position, I know she's not, you know, willing to believe that the Dark Lord is back or anything, but Snape does have a history. Mm-hmm. And she's not really, like, like, in my mind, she's kind of like, on the Dark Lord's side because mm-hmm. she's kind of helping his cause. She yeah. doesn't mean to be, but she is. And so for a second I was like, oh, she's going to be nice to Snape because, oh wait, no, they're not on the same side. They just... They, they just both hate Harry. <laughs> they just both hate Harry. Um, <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, so it was kind of confusing in my brain to sort it out. I'm mm-hmm. like, so, but they're not to, not on the same side, but they... it was It was almost like Umbridge was like, we both hate this kid. We should be friends. <laughs> and they was just like, I'm not friends with anybody. <laughs> I have no friends. Potion making is my only friend. But I, I was happy that we got to the, the famous line where she said, you wanted, when you first applied, you wanted to be Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, didn't you? Yes. And you didn't get it? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> like, woman, why are you asking me questions that you already know the answer to? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any sense. But Harry gets so wrapped up in this that he, once again, messes up his potion. He's not a great potion maker. No, he's not. He's not good at, not good at potions. <laughs> he can't be good at everything. No. Unless you're Hermione. <laughs> then you're kind of good at everything. Kind of. But she she lacks some social skills. Like, she can't yeah. always... Can't always turn her analytical brain off. And, yeah. Yeah. So we've all got... I can't I can't put the little straws in the uh, Capri Suns. Can't do it. Without <laughs> shooting all the way I, to the ceiling. I'm master of it. I can yeah. do it. Master avid. Master of it. <laughs> I'm a master avid. <laughs> master at Speaking it. Speaking words hard. Hard. You can do words, you right? Don't, we don't know. You don't know, know good talking like me and you. Same <laughs> group. All right. Uh, on to divination class. And Trelawney is even more frazzled and odd than normal. Seemingly having a nervous breakdown. And it turns out that Umbridge, kind of in like a little passing line at the end, has put Trelawney, who is a veteran teacher, on probation. On probation. Yeah. She's in tears most of the class. She's muttering to herself. She 
She's throwing books at children. Yeah. I um, mean, who among us has not <laughs> had a day to like at that? Least throw a book. Yeah. Um, she even said she was kind of yeah threw the books at him and was like, "Go on, get to it. You know what to do. Unless I'm so bad a teacher, you don't know how to open a book." Like, <laughs> Everybody's oh. like, "Ah." Maybe. Wow. Well, we learned that from somebody else, but yeah, you never covered that part. By the way, the name of that old-timey boxer? Yes. John L. Sullivan. <laughs> I absolutely love that he has a middle name, too. <laughs> he looks like the Is he, he, like- he looks like the guy that killed Abraham Lincoln, so, oh. you know, it would make sense that most of those guys have a either go go by their middle initial or their middle name. You know, yeah, John got to be Booth. clear. Uh we want to be very specific with the the crazy people. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Could you imagine like being named like Jeff Dahmer or something like that? Yeah. And uh, you're like, no, 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 it's not me. You'd have I'm to. A vegetarian. You'd have to do one of the things where you like go by your initials instead, like JT Dahmer. Uh, speaking of my dad, he was. Uh, he always tells me the story about this uh, other lawyer he met. Who was named Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he shakes his hand and said, Oh, hey, Michael. He goes, You can call me Mike. <laughs> For obvious reasons, uh, he didn't want to go by uh, Michael Jackson. It was during the time when there was a lot of things, uh, yeah, there a lot of things happening in, in the King of Pops world. Yeah. Kind of like the guy on Office Space. Yeah, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. You can call you, me Mike. You can go by Mike. <laughs> Why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. <laughs> good good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, on to Defense Against the Dark Arts class with Umbridge, where we will be sitting quietly reading. With no need to talk. And then back in the Gryffindor common room, where the Weasley twins are showing off their latest uh, type of special snack, where you eat one half of a treat, and you vomit uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. But you eat the other half, and you stop. Sounds great. No. Here's my, I, here's no. my question. If one half makes you, which vomiting is just, they're, the they're acting like it's just so much fun. Yes, it's not fun. It's awful. Maybe <laughs> it's like, when it's magical vomit, it's, it's not It's one of awful. the worst bodily functions that we have. Like one of the most uncomfortable things to do. And what are you vomiting up? Wouldn't you run out of stuff eventually? I don't understand. Here's my issue with it, though. If if one half just makes you just continually vomit, how are you able to eat the other half to make the vomiting stop? Oh, he said that, I mean, it said he had to, like, force it down. Yeah, but still, like, if there's so much is coming one way, how are you going to make something go the other way? Well, I think there were, like, little breaks in between. He'd throw up, and then he'd throw up again. And somebody was using, like, the vanishing... To make it go away. So where does it go? This goes away. No, it doesn't. It's got... You, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. <laughs> it's magic, Daniel. I, it goes I, away. I'm it's the mag- same spell that Snape uses to make Harry's potion go away all the time. Where does it go? Down the drain. It's like a flushing spell. No, I think it, it reappears somewhere on the other side of the world. And it's normally it's like in the middle of the ocean or something, so nobody notices. But every once in a while, somebody has vomit just show up in there. Some muggle just has vomit in Australia just show up in their you know kitchen, 
while they're cooking, <laughs> and they lose their minds because they don't know where it came from, and they're trying to uh, describe it to the local police and get thrown in the mental in mental institution because of this. I asked your opinion. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> it's got to go somewhere. Stop, stop, stop. No one asked your opinion. Just <laughs> put them together. Oh, a little, little mix, a little remix stop, there. Stop. No one asked you. I'm just saying. I think it's got to go somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't think you can just you can just eliminate it from existence as I knock my mic sideways because I'm, I'm so angry right now. I don't know. I, I just think that, that it pops up somewhere, and I think it could cause a problem. Or is there is there like a another dimension, like in Ant-Man, when you shrink down so much, you go into like the microverse? You know, is that does does it go there? Mm -hmm. Does it go to the negative zone? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Little, little pocket realm. If anybody knows, send us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Little pocket universe of... Vomit, vomit, vomit and, and poorly made potions. Yeah. Uh, time for the fireside chat with Sirius. And several things come out of the conversation. The main one being that Sirius already knows about the group's plan to have special defense against dark arts class. And how did he find this out? Ugh, Mundungus. Mundungus. I was like, oh, what's that little dude's name? Mung Mundungus Fletcher. Mundungus was actually the witch, witch in the veil, mm -hmm, in the hogshead, and apparently he's still following Harry around. So that's another b a big thing that comes out of it is that Harry still has the order watching him, and at Harry's, least when Harry, he leaves school. And Harry's not very cool with that, it seems. No. But you know, I, to me, I don't see really anything bad about that I would... oh, maybe it's just because they didn't tell him yeah like, I, yeah i feel like that part was because he didn't know and that kind of surprised him and then he... you feel like you're being spied on not just especially with this case because he was they re he yeah. relayed information he overheard yeah to the order so harry you know they're basically spying on him but i and i know harry probably can't understand this given his age and given Everything that's gone on, but there are certain things. If this, if the order is going to be successful in their task, there are certain things that they might need to withhold from him. Because if if he doesn't know about it, then he doesn't have to lie about it. You know, if some if he gets interrogated or something like that, or if he gets uh, you know some truth serum, you know, there's if he doesn't know about it, then he can't you know spill the beans and he can't. Uh, let people know the secrets of what's going on with the order. So he's probably too young and a little too inexperienced to to understand the importance of that. But in order for the order of the Phoenix to be successful, they're going to have to do some things like that. And in order to keep Harry safe, they're going to have to do some things like that. But uh, Sirius was already, like we said, aware of that. Uh, Molly Weasley, of course, gets word of it through Sirius of the Secret Club and that the trio is trying to plan, and she is not too keen on Ron being involved. Why is that? She forbids Ron from being involved. Yeah. Um, that it's ridiculous and needless. Um, 
risk to take and mm-hmm. that he'd be expelled and it would ruin his future forever and his life forever and ever. Is she so concerned about this because of everything that's gone on with Percy? And that's why she kind of, you know, doesn't want, she doesn't want Ron to ruin his future because she already feels like she's kind of lost one of her kids. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Because, yeah, Percy is kind of not in the family anymore, but he hasn't, like, ruined his future. He's actually doing well in his career-ish. Even though it's not, you know, the way Molly would prefer. I think it's more along the lines of, you know, like, Fred and George never take school seriously. And it's amazing that they haven't been expelled yet. Mm-hmm. Like, she just doesn't want Ron following that path. Not as much the Percy path, but... So, if Molly is aware that Ron is involved in this secret plan, then she has to also be aware that Fred and George and Jenny are involved, too. You would think so. Um, like, you would think that Mung Dungus would, would have said, said, Oh, yeah, all I saw your all, your, all your kids were there. <laughs> all of them. Yeah, I might be a little bit of a plot hole there. Uh, or maybe just if she, she feels like if she can keep Ron and Harry and Hermione from even doing it, then mm-hmm. that would just eliminate the risk to the other ones. Yeah. Cut the cut the snake's head off the hydra. <laughs> or maybe Snape was or Snape Sirius was supposed to include everybody, but didn't get all the message. I don't know. But she does he does say that Molly acknowledges that she has no control over Harry and Hermione, but she strongly suggests that they not do it either. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was it I, I would have thought that there would have been at least a mention of, you know, Molly's not happy with Ron and the fact that you're dragging Jenny into it. And I, she, she kind of understands the twins because they kind of do whatever they want. Anyway, Ron, she has a message for you and your siblings. Don't do this, you know. I guess the other thing that kind of uh, caught me off guard was how against it Molly was because she understands the the seriousness of, of what's going on right now. And the fact that these kids do need to find some way to be able to defend themselves. And she knows that it's not happening at the school. I guess it, it surprised me that she would be so against it, you know, other than the fact that they, they could get in trouble for it. But Sirius even has a line where he says, well, isn't it better to be expelled and be able to defend yourself and stay alive than be a good kid at school and, you know, not have any way to defend yourself? Yeah, a lot actually comes up in this little tiny fire chat. But um, I was just thinking, too, the whole Molly being focused on Ron thing. He, I feel like she didn't really know which way he was going to go in his life. And then he made Prefect. And now he's made the Quidditch team. So he seems like he's going in the right direction. And now this. And maybe she's just worried like, oh, you're you're doing so well. You're going, you know, you made Prefect, and now you're going to be on the Quidditch team. You're just going to throw this away and ruin everything on this club. And she's very 
much about, you know, that the kids can't be participants in the order because they're too young. And then don't forget, she's had all those traumatic nightmares about them dying. So I think she just wants to keep them as far away from the danger as possible. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten about that. That was, I was, I mean, that was a big plot point a few chapters ago. Mm-hmm. You know, just how distraught Molly has been. she has been. Yeah. And can't imagine she's sleeping very well if she's having those nightmares all the time. Yeah. Well, we get to the end of the chapter, the creepy moment at the end of the chapter where Sirius seems to, to see something on his end of the flu network. And his head suddenly disappears mid-conversation from the fireplace. And is replaced by the snatching hand of Dolores Umbridge. Now, I, this is not something that I remembered from the movie. You don't really remember it either. Um, but the picture that I got in my head was very, like, horror movie-esque. I guess just the way I envisioned it from when I see it. It was very scary, very creepy when, you know, the hand comes in and it's, like, reaching around. and You trying to play a sound effect there? No, no, the battery's <laughs> low. <laughs> I see you like vigorously tapping on the the iPad there, trying to get the low battery thing to go away. Well, now that you now that you got me, I, now I need to hear a sound effect. She needs to sort out her priorities. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Umbridge She's just groping around in a fire in the middle of the night. She's got better things to do. Umbridge is very aware of things happening at Hogwarts, and it's safe to assume that. Hermione's theory from earlier in the chapter that we didn't even talk about is accurate that the ministry probably has people monitoring the flu network too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you think that uh, Umbridge gets so close to uh, I guess I guess if you're, can you go into the flu and like grab people and... <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know how the flu network works. Well, and they're not using it like you would normally use it to, like, transport your whole body. You're right. just sticking your head through. <laughs> Hello! And then, I forget. So, like, in the book, is it really his head? Because, like, in the movies, it's like the fire shapes his head. Mm-hmm. But, like, if it, you're using it like the flu network, is it just kind of like sticking your head through the door? Mm-hmm. And your head is in one room and your body's in the other room kind of deal. But I keep picturing the... The movie where it's not really his head, it's his face, the embers and the fire, like, make his face. Uh, It'd be be nice if we can have somebody email in with your thoughts on that, but I would think, personally, that it would be more just like sticking your head in the door. That's what I thought, but I'm just... But just, like, the the movie just thought, well, this would be a cool way to represent that. Well, I figure in the movie, like, like, reading the book and picturing it and it fitting with the idea of how the flu network works... Although we haven't gotten a whole lot of explanation on it, period, Mm -hmm. yet. So, um, I don't know. But maybe in the movie, visually, a floating head in a fireplace looked cheesy. Mm -hmm. I could imagine it looking cheesy on a movie. Yeah. So maybe they decided to go a different way. Yeah. But now it's confusing my brain. I keep picturing that instead of his actual head there. Well, it... Seems from the way it's described in the book that Umbridge was very close to, and the fact that it's almost like when you're uh, 
tracking a phone call. They say you have to, like in the movies, they say you have to like, keep him on the line so we can track so we can where track he's it. at. Yeah. And Sirius was almost like, well, I got to get off the call before I get caught. Mm-hmm. Or else it could be, you know, track, I can be caught or it can be tracked back to where I'm at or, or whatever. So uh, it, it was, I, I don't know, I thought it was a very cool visual in my head from what I saw and very evil. Uh, well, could you imagine it in the fire ember way that the movie did it? Maybe <laughs> even creepier. This like fire hand. I did kind of, I did kind of envision that a little it, bit. Yeah, instead of like a real hand. Yeah, I did kind of envision that a little bit. And they said that you could see like all the. They knew it was her. You could see all the like rings. the rings on her hand and everything. So Umbridge is very aware of what the kids are up to maybe not exactly what they're doing and exactly when and where they're doing it but she is they're gonna have to be very careful because they're being watched very very closely it seems we didn't go too far into depth either about hedwig mm-hmm. and how the all are assuming that she was that umbridge, yeah that, that somebody maybe tried was, to maybe attacked her even or one of her minions get her to intercept the message yeah yeah. yeah, I don't know if we can send Hedwig out anymore. Mm. I know she's not going to like that. But she also, like do you trust a different but... owl? Yeah, I don't she's, know. Hedwig's kind of like Crookshank's, kind of above intelligence level of yeah. normal. i just send Pig. Pig just like <laughs> too, too wild. Nobody could catch Pig. <laughs> like even if you did catch Pig, like Pig would just like wouldn't be able to hold still and you would just like wiggle out of your grasp. You know, it's like it's like trying to pick up uh, our dog Nightwing. He's because <laughs> he's, he's so heavy. He's not going to let that happen. <laughs> he's he's going to throw a fit. He's going to wiggle until he until he gets out. I just send Pig. Pig Pig's a boy or a girl? I don't. Pig I, don't know. I don't know. I keep I don't wanting know. to say he, and I keep I keep wanting to say he for Hedwig too because Hedwig's name literally starts with he. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that kind of puts it in my brain every time I, I read it and I forget that she, she's, she's, a so yeah. she's a girl. Yeah. Boys can be pretty too, babe. I know. Nightwing's pretty. Yeah. He's got those Jack Sparrow eyes with the, the guy liner <laughs> around his eyes. Nightwing does. Random people when we're out for a walk will stop and just go, oh, oh those eyes. Those eyes. That's the guy liner that, yeah. that he has on. It's nice. <laughs> makes, makes the eyes pop. Uh, well, that's going to do it for Chapter 17 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. No emails this week. Sorry, Jess. Oh. But you can send us those emails. Uh, there was a lot of things we talked about today that I'd love to get people's input or thoughts on. Roomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com or tweet us. Uh, you can either tweet us or direct message us on Twitter at BroomsticksB. Or if you're uh, following the program on facebook you can send us a message on there and uh let us know your name and where you're from we'll give you a shout out here on the air but i think that's going to do it unless you want there's anything you want to add about chapter 17 no i think we covered it i just wanted to go back to the head with head headwig thing well thanks everybody for downloading listening and subscribing feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on it really helps the show A special shout-out to the Inner Circle. That's Jennifer in California, Catherine, Luke, and Amelia in Chicago, Kelly and Olivia in Manhattan, Jane and Ronnie in Illinois, and Anastasia in Connecticut. Did I get everybody? I think so, but I got distracted because you you said Luke this time. And I was like, oh, are they not feuding anymore? 
Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go easy on Luke. Yeah. You He's know. like three, right? He's like three years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's big of you, babe. And, and, I, and I feel like I've been, like, I've kind of been giving him a hard time and... And you, you've been making, three. you've been giving him a hard time, making him think. I didn't, he's, intentionally, I didn't realize that he was a avid listener, <laughs> or that we kept putting, his putting attention his for the full hour. So, yeah, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the bigger man here. <laughs> the only since, man involved since I since I uh, got forty years on him. Oh God! <laughs> I'll go easy on our friend Luke. I did send him a couple of nice Christmas presents as uh, peace offerings. There you go. <laughs> this past holiday season. So again, thanks to everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. If you're listening as we record these, uh, and you are in anywhere in the Midwest area, uh, check out Missouri Comic Con February 11th and 12th, 2023. Find information MissouriComicCon.com uh, as far as tickets and programming. And I don't think as of recording this, I said the schedule was coming soon but uh we'll be i'll be on there i would say i say we because broomsticks and butterbeer but you won't get to meet jess but you will get to meet me and uh you'll get to meet the infamous ken rhino as well andrew uh, rhino and i'm sure wow. if you ask him infamous. i'm sure if you ask him nicely he'll even give you an autograph how about that <laughs> you probably charge for it <laughs> you're like say what bud you got five bucks <laughs> Buy him a Diet Coke and you'll be his, yeah. his best friend. Walk up to him with a can of Diet Coke. Oh, a can, my God. not a bottle. Uh-huh. And, He'll uh, drink it, then sign it for you. Ooh. <laughs> and you get a little souvenir. How about that? There you go. But we are going to have, uh, we're, I'm going to have tons of prizes just like we did at C2E2. We're going to have prizes for the winners, but we're also going to have prizes just for uh, participating. Lots and lots and lots of good stuff. Goody. We don't skimp on the prizes. We don't just do like, oh, here's a sticker. Well, we might have some stickers and stuff we just give away, but <laughs> for prizes, we got good stuff. Yes, sir. So, uh, until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. We'll see ya. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.